and welcome to this week's episode of Property Development Live. I'm Margaret Ann Merrick. Regular listeners will know we have an exclusive Property Development Live Facebook group with members from across the UK and every week we host a Zoom meeting for members where they can ask questions about new builds, conversions and every aspect of property development from purchasing to the thorny topic of funding. We've had a great response to these Zoom meetings so Let's join Paul Merrick and Martin Davis of the Property Development Live team at this week's meeting and find out what they were discussing. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to this, the fourth Q&A session of Property Development Live. Uh, we have the opportunity to ask questions of Paul Merrick, who's been doing this property development for the last 25 plus years. Tonight, the topic is where do I get the money to fund the project? Uh, so, Paul, would you like to kick the topic off? So where, where do you get the money to fund the project? I'm going to say something probably quite unpopular and certainly not what you'll find on social media, which is you should probably have some. If you're going to do development, you should probably at least have some money. I don't advocate in any way, shape or form, you can get into property with no money. You can probably get into property with smaller amounts of money or into development with smaller amounts of money than you think you can. But I would suggest that you need to have some money of your own. If you've joined this Zoom call in order to find out how you can get into property and be a millionaire in six months with other people's money, then you've joined the wrong Zoom call. And I'm sure there's a couple of names that I could mention who could at least pretend to teach you that stuff. But that's not this Paul. This Paul believes that you have to have some money. I think development takes some money and lots of hard work. I don't advocate it takes no money and no work at all. That's where I would start from. I'm starting with a very serious point. Any business that you want to get into and take seriously and property development's a business, you need money to do so. Now, we can talk about how much money. We can even talk about whose money. I suppose the next thing is, well, I don't think I've got enough money. Can anybody kind of put their hand up to that? I don't think I've got enough money. Because that's certainly where I started. So it might be worth talking about where I started my journey and, and where my, my journey ended up. I don't want to talk about where my journey ended up, where I am now. To impress you, to quote Tony Robbins, I want to impress upon you what you can actually do with some very hard work and a small or a reasonable amount of money. So where we are now, we own a multi-million pound portfolio of debt-free properties that range from commercial properties that are let out to residential properties that are let out and a fair amount of development sites as well. I had the privilege, the pleasure of retiring in my early 50s. By the time I was 52, I was what I laughingly call semi-retired. That's as close as doing the guru stuff as I ever get to. And that, that's not to impress you, but it's to impress upon you what you can achieve in this job in a relatively small amount of time with a relatively small amount of money and a lot of hard work. And I see we've got at least three of the Property Development Live people on here tonight, and they will all assure you, having had the um, experience of uh, working with me for the last few months, that it's a lot about hard work, isn't it, guys? So I started 25 years ago, or just over 25 years ago, with the grand sum of £40,000. Now, I know that some people are going to say, £40,000 25 years ago, Paul, that was a lot of money. So I went on to the internet and I calculated what that would actually be today, taking into consideration inflation. And you can do this for yourselves. Just go into an inflation calculator. What's money worth now 
compared to what it was worth them. And it's roughly about £75,000. Would we all agree that's still not a huge amount of money? I just want to say at the outset, this is my opinion, these are my thoughts, and this is my experience. So when I come on these Zoom calls, it's not about some book that I've read, it's not about some guru that I've listened to, it's actually real life experience that you guys get. So what I'm going to share with you as we go through this question is the stuff that I have done that's worked for me, that got me to where I am today, which is why I started with that, because I think it's important. If you're going to try and emulate what I've done in any way, shape or form, or if I can help you do something different, then it has to have a result. And that's why I wanted to tell you about the results at the beginning. Mark, um, you asked the question, which I suspect that Paul may have answered. But yeah, yeah, Paul has answered want... it. It's Do you want to ask it again? Yeah, sure. It's basically, um, I was just, my, my question is basically, how much would you say, or how much money do you need to start on development? Um, Paul said 75K, more or less. But again, I think it depends on how big is the, uh, is the project. Is that right? I'll answer that question a different way. I'm going to be a politician. I'm going to, you're going to ask me a question. I'm going to give you an, an answer to a different question. <laughs> Politicians do that all the time. They have a wonderful way of answering the question you didn't ask and avoiding <laughs> the question that you did. I like um, it. So what I would say to you is I have no idea what it's going to take for you to, to start property. If you were asking me today what I would take to start property, I think about 30 grand. Um, realistically, I think I could go out and buy a development in Scotland or in the north of England, a development site with the benefit of planning for around about £30,000. Now, I think once I had that site and I had ownership of that site, you know, I had an asset, then I think I could borrow on the back of that asset. And then we'll talk as we go forward about what type of borrowing, because there's no one size fits all. I have a particular preference. Um, about the type of relationships I like to do now in terms of investment, if you want to call it that, or development. That was different from when I first started out. So I would say £75,000 in Scotland is ample and the north of England is ample. £30,000 will probably get you started and buy your plot with planning consent. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Um, okay, Alex. Yes. Would you like, you've got a question, which is too yes, long to write down. Yeah, so basically, because of um, what I know about you, Paul, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's going to be the right question for you because I know that you've kind of always been a debt-free kind of guy. Um, so, as you know, we've got two developments on the go just now. Mm -hmm. We have we need to borrow about four hundred and fifty grand. Um, mm -hmm. Now we're borrowing that money on the strength of an unencumbered HMO in London, which is worth two point two million. Mm -hmm. So the leverage there is really low. Yeah, we've been offered a rate of about 0.5 percent per month plus yeah. some kind of sell fees and whatnot. And I wondered if you thought that was a good fee, or if you think we could do better. And if so, where could we do better? Let's establish two things. So I do have a portfolio that's debt free now. Started off with forty thousand pounds, and you don't get to millions of pounds being absolutely debt free. So let me just establish what I think about debt. I think debt's a tool, like a hammer or a chisel, and I don't think most people can build a house without a hammer or a chisel. I don't think you can build a house without a cement mixer. I don't think you can build a house without borrowed money for the vast majority of people. There are exceptions to that rule, but for the vast majority of people, you're probably not going to do development without borrowing money. Now, as long as you're borrowing some money and not all of the money, 
And as long as you intend to pay that money back, then debt's a good thing. So the analogy that I always use is, imagine debt was a hammer and you took it out the box and you hammered the nail in. In other words, you know, it's a tool to do a job. But when you were finished, you put the, the hammer back in the box. Everybody following this analogy? Now that, that's great debt. I've borrowed it. I've built my development. I've made my profit. I've paid back my loan. I've paid back my interest. I'm done. And I can do it again. That kind of debt I like. The kind of debt I don't like is the kind of debt that goes on for 25, 30, 40, 50 years. So I don't like interest-only payments on, say, something like a buy-to-let. So if you imagine that you took that hammer out of the, the box and you carried it every day and you never laid the hammer down. So when you lifted the hammer out of the box, it felt like it was two pounds. Does that make sense to everybody? It weighed two pounds. See the analogy between the money and the hammer? It's very clever, isn't it? It weighed two pounds, right? But if you carried it for a long time, it would start to feel like it was four pounds or six pounds or eight pounds. It would start to get very heavy if you could never put it down. Does that make sense? So I believe a good property business, Alec, to answer your question long-windedly, a good property business has two forms of income, right? One is what I call wealth creation and one's what I call wealth production. Wealth creation is like rental income. You know, it's lots of little drips in the bucket. And one day, you know, you'll have a big rental portfolio and you'll be very privileged to have lots of money coming in from your, your rent portfolio. But at the moment, it's going to grow very slowly. But wealth production, going out and working and making the money, i.e. development, can bring you big chunks of money. So if we just unmute John and Sonny for a wee second, just a very quick answer to your question, John. One plot on the Development Live project what do you forecast to be your profit in not percentage, but in pound notes? What do you forecast to be your profit? About 80,000. About 80,000. Thank you. Sonny? Yeah, 80 to 100,000. 80 to 100,000. So if, if you can see, if you're making that chunk of money, right, out of six to eight months work, right, maybe 12 months by the time you physically sold it and got it in the bank, can you see how you could take 50,000 pounds of that and you could buy an asset you could buy a, a, a cheap um, buy-to-let and you could take the other £50,000 of that or £30,000 of that and, and start the development process again. So to come back to your question, it's a very long-winded way of answering your question, Alec. That is quite expensive money. I would ask two questions if I was paying that much of the money. How much of your own money have you got in the deals? Quite a bit. Six, seven hundred thousand, something like that. So if I had that much equity into something, I wouldn't want to be paying 0.5% per month. I would be approaching a high street bank with a business plan. So let me tell you how we first started, because that's probably quite interesting and different than most people. So I didn't go the kind of buy to let rent and then, and then do a refurb. I went straight into development. First property I ever bought was a development. And what we did was we did a, a very extensive business plan and we put this together like it was a business, not like it was an investment, because I don't believe it investment. It's a business. And we put a very extensive business plan together. And with all due respect to most of the people around this table, unless you've been in business for a long time, it was probably a bigger and more um, detailed business plan than you've ever seen. Chapter and verse, and it was the next five years of our working life. And we went to a standard high street bank. And at that point in time, we were borrowing at around about 3%. The last time I was involved in commercial borrowing was helping a friend of mine about four years ago borrow from a bank and he borrowed at 3.2%. It's about who you're going to ask for the money and how prepared you are when you go and ask. 
I am amazed at some of the deals that I see out there for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds. And people have a business plan that looks like something my 11-year-old scribbled up on the back of a sheet of paper. And what happens with that is you pay a lot of money for that because, you know, real big high street banks and corporate investors are not interested in that. The people that you'll end up dealing with are people like Shaw Brooks. They will do their own due diligence. They will come back and forward to you a hundred times and ask you a hundred questions. I think you've had that experience, Martin, where if you admit it honestly in retrospect, you're, you're, the proposal that you put to them wasn't detailed enough in the first place and they kept coming back and asking more questions. Yeah, what I found was after two months, um, the benefit was that I knew exactly what my total assets and total liabilities were to the pound. Which you should have known beforehand. So I tend to find the people who are least prepared pay the most for their money. Because you will go to lenders who will, that you're, you're bringing a bigger risk to them because they don't really understand your model. They don't really understand the numbers. They don't really understand you. So they're taking a huge risk. The problem is that if you go to a high street lender or you go to a big um, corporate lender or, you know, you, you go to some of the, the, the bigger guys out in the market who will lend money at sensible amounts of money, if you're not prepared the first time round, they won't give you a second chance. Shawbrooks will. Shawbrooks will persevere with you for three or four months and come back and ask you questions. A lot of the, the corporate funders out there will not do that. They will simply say, you're not prepared enough. I would say the, the amount of preparation that you put in will depend on the amount of rate that you pay for your finance. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I'm, I'm if I, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure you said you had a copy of one of those business plans. Could I have one? I have an empty business plan that you need to fill in. Yeah. Could I um, have it, please? But you have to fill it in. Yes, you can have it, but you have to fill it in. And that's the rule about having it. You have to fill it in. Of course. <laughs> um, but honestly, guys, the, the level of preparation that you put into that business plan, so Martin's gone through the kind of the Shawbrooks type experience. If you were doing that again, Martin, rather than going back and forward and answering a question and answering a question and answering a question, would you just sit down now and do a thoroughly good business plan? Uh, the short answer is yes, I would. Uh, and I make another comment, and that was that I did this through a broker, and the broker didn't prepare me for the level of detail that I ended up going into. And I'll make two comments about that because that's exactly the comment I was going to, you led in beautifully there because that's the comment I was going to make back. The comment I was going to make back is if you are using a broker, firstly, you're paying a fee on that money that you don't need to pay. And secondly, most brokers, and I'm not going to criticize all brokers, but most brokers don't really know how to put a good business plan together for you guys. And secondly, even if they did, they wouldn't put the time into it that it would take to do that because their fee's not big enough. So here's a question, Alec. If I send you a copy of this business plan, how long do you think it's going to take you to put it together? I need to see you first. <laughs> so how long do you think it would take you to put a very extensive business plan together? 10 hours. Yeah, I think it's six months to a year. <laughs> ten hours. Have a different idea of what an extensive business plan is. It would take me ten hours if you helped me. <laughs> it, would, it, would, it, would, it would take you ten hours to fill in the first page if I helped you. Because <laughs> I would like, I would do the same as Martin, uh, Martin's lender did. I would ask you a hundred questions you don't know the answer to. So did everybody get the message there? He is going to pay strong money because he is approaching the wrong lender, and it's about the level of preparation before you approach that lender.
most of the, the corporate guys, um, the big money that's out there, won't come near somebody who hasn't an, an extensive three to five year business plan. You will pay based on the amount of work that you're prepared to put in. Got it. Loud and clear. Uh, Sonny, you have a question. What's the advantage of using like a bridge for development? I guess it's the same as maybe development finance over getting your funds from investors. What, what would be the advantage? I don't, think there's, I don't think there's an advantage in using bridge funding at all. Hence why in 25 years in this business, I've never went anywhere near bridge funding. It's very difficult for me to be unbiased about bridge funding. I think it's very expensive. I think it's very risky because um, bridge funders will tend to make sure that they come out of this well no matter what happens. I find it very difficult to be unbiased about bridge funding. I would suggest that you talk to someone else who's less biased than me. I can give you a story about that, Sonny, if that helps you, mate. Yeah, yeah. So I used bridging for my very first flip, and uh, obviously the terms are very, very tight, especially with time. Mm -hmm. And the buyer pulled out the day before completion, literally the day before. And then it took us another three months basically to get a buyer. And because of that, it wiped out our, wiped out our profit because of the bridging fees. Mm -hmm. So I don't like bridging. <laughs> That's, yeah. That, I mean, that was my view, but because it seems so popular, I just assumed, I just thought maybe there are some advantages, but I just couldn't and, see And that. I come back to the answer to Alex's question. Do you know why it's so popular? Because bridging funders who charge you a fortune make life relatively easy. And why it's popular is because the vast majority of people when it comes to actually doing this job are, I was going to say, derogatory lazy. And I think it's, it's a combination of things. I think there's a, a vast majority of people do this as a, as a part-time occupation. And I think the vast majority of people don't take it seriously as if they were going to open a, a different business. There's way too many people, in my opinion, and I did say I was going to be opinionated at the beginning of this, and you know, um, you don't have to listen, and you certainly don't have to agree, but it's my opinion. Way too many people don't treat this like a business. And bridging funders make it very, very simple to put your property at risk, at great risk, um, and to charge you a lot of money in the meantime. And people tend to take that route because it's the difference between, I always think it's the difference between buying retail money and wholesale money. Other than um, Alec, anybody else in this room done bridging funding? Does everybody think they could go and find a bridger? If I said tomorrow, if I made your task tomorrow, find a bridging funder, do you think you could go onto the internet and find a bridging funder? Yes? Mm. Right. Do you think you could find a venture capitalist for me in 24 hours? Right. Which one of those do you think is going to um, invest at the more competitive rate? A venture capitalist? who invests in businesses every day of the week or a bridging funder, which one of those do you think is going to be the least expensive? BC. By thousands of pounds. So a venture capitalist will look for somewhere between three, on average, between three and 5% return on their money. And a bridger will look for somewhere between 12 and 18%. But you see, most people will use a bridger because it's much easier to find than a venture capitalist. Well, can I just make a quick comment? And that is, you were on a bridge, and it's a, these tight timescales, and suddenly a um, global pandemic hit you and slowed you down for three to six months. What impact would that have upon your project timescale? Yeah, because you won't find many bridges who are um, giving payment holidays. It's not in the nature of bridging. 
are we all kind of okay if we kind of discuss for about the next five minutes of JV funding? Yeah. yeah. So JV funding is really interesting. It's the way we've worked probably for about the last 10 years on really big projects. So I'm comfortable buying stuff up to about half a million pounds um, of our own money. And any bigger projects than that, we start to um, talk to JV funders. I see lots of people talking about JV funding on the internet. And I see lots of people when I've went and spoke at meetings, you know, when they, do you remember there used to be property meetings like outside in the real world where you've seen real people? Do you remember that? Well, I used to speak at some of those and I always come across people trying to find funding. And because I was the guy at the front of the room and because I've been relatively successful at this, guess who many of them thought was a target investor? And I wasn't. And I'll tell you why. Because most of them weren't ready for investment. To get yourself ready for investment, you have to do some real planning and treat it like a business. Secondly, you have to focus on the right thing. So what I found most of these people who were looking for money were doing were focusing on the wrong thing. And if you don't mind, Sonny, I'm going to pick on you. Are you okay, are you okay to share? Honestly, share, to, share with people. I've got no problem with that. Sonny, when I first met him, so he had a buy-to-let, which he owned. He refinanced the buy-to-let. That gave him money to buy a plot. And then he had to find some JV funded. And when I first met him, and he wasn't listening to me, he only half listens to me now, but he wasn't listening to me at all at first. He was running around the country looking for JV funded. Wasn't you, Sonny? Yeah, no, that's right. And I was, you know, taking trips to London when I knew there was kind of high net worth and reels, running around like headless chicken trying to, trying to find finance that way. And he had his funding proposal. He was immensely unsuccessful at getting funded. And he wasted a lot of time not getting funded. And I said to him, you know, learn to do the job, Sonny. Learn to be a developer. Actually make yourself investable. One of the things that became very apparent very quickly is they were asking him questions like, who's the project manager? And who's your main contractor? Now, the reason that they were asking Sonny that is within five minutes of talking to him, they didn't think that he had the wherewithal, the capability to be his own main contractor and to project manage the development. So they were looking not to, to invest in Sonny, they were looking to invest in Sonny's team. But if Sonny would have paid a team, you would have seen there wasn't enough money left for Sonny or the investors to make any money. So what he was doing was he was wasting a lot of time trying to get people's money, but wasn't really an investable developer. And eventually I said to him, Sonny, look, focus on the job. The job isn't, your job isn't going out and getting money. Your job is to become a, a professional developer. Focus on the job. Learn how to be a professional developer. Actually learn the job. So the next time you're speaking to someone, they won't ask who your project manager is or who your main contractor is because they will believe in you. Because when people fund you, whether they're JV or whether they're venture capitalists, they fund you and the project. Let me say that again. They fund you and the project not the project and you. And what Sonny was doing was trying to sell them the project. That didn't work because when they were asking who was doing the work, there wasn't someone there that they trusted. So over the last, what, probably, when did you give that up? Three, four months ago, Sonny? Aye, that's it, about aye, three or four months. I, kind of, I, stopped, I stopped running around like that. And then he started to actually learn to be a developer. And then he, he thought, okay, maybe my idea isn't working. This old guy called Paul, he might know some stuff. We're going to try it his way. Tell him about after you started focusing on being a developer. Yeah, no doubt. So basically stop trying to go down south to London to find the money. Just spent way more time on site. I mean, I've been on there on site today from about half seven in, in the morning. Just got back not too long ago. Uh, more time with the guys, more time in meetings, 
and more time ultimately doing development. And I've learned more in the last six months than I have in the last five or six years. The, the, some of the, the small things I've learned, well, one of the things was, um, I mean, you know, my day job was a pharmacist, you know, never know anything about machinery or mechanics, nothing like that. And um, not long ago, I went to view a crane um, that was on a wagon, went to view it, got in the you know, driver's seat, got to see him operating. Um, and we ended up buying that. And even today, we've been, we've been using it to move containers around, to rip out a lot of piping, move stuff around on site. And just that purchase alone, you know, already in the, the maybe five or six times we've used it, we've made the money back. You know, in terms of if we had to hire that out, it'd be a few hundred pounds each time we've had to use a crane. So we've got money back on that already and we haven't even started the bulk of the construction yet. And then we've got the advantage of actually selling that when the project finishes. And that's just one, one small, small little piece of how much um, I guess I've gained in the last six months. And he knows his way around the building site now and he's sat down and he's made his model of the house. If you follow Property Development Live, you'll see that he, was, he made the model of the house and he understands the house now and he's went through the plans and he can wander around the house like it's his own and he started to understand how a house goes, goes together. So when he goes to meet his next funder, they will think, this guy knows what he's talking about. He doesn't need a project manager. He doesn't need a construction company. He is a developer. So learn your job. That's how you'll get funding. Just finally, Sonny, you stop chasing around the world and you stop going to meetings in London and you stop, you know, taking your wee um, leaflet around telling everybody how great you was. First guy that actually physically came up to site, um, how long did the conversation last? How long was he on site with you? Not long, less than an hour, maybe 45 minutes. And he was on site, remember, guys. Sonny started to talk like a builder. And what happened? What was the result of that? Yeah, so basically spent more time uh, focusing on the on development and yeah, a, a guy got in touch, saw what I was doing, was very interested and we yeah, drove up from my hometown, which is Newcastle, uh, to Scotland to come and check out the site, saw the team, believed in the team, saw the project, believed in that and ultimately believed in me and he believed to get his investment back and yeah, within a few days, he gave us... Uh, a substantial amount of money to get us started with the project. And are you confident now, because you feel more like a developer, that the next lot of funding will come to you and you won't have to chase it? I've got no doubt that the funding will come. Paul, perhaps in the last couple of minutes, is there anything you want to say wrapping this session up? As usual, I'm going to finish where I started. So how do you get funding? And how do you get funding at a competitive cost, I think is, is a really good question as well. So how do you do that? I'll give you an analogy. If you've ever had a bad painter in your house, what he does is he does very little preparation, but he can't wait to get the paint on the wall and the job ends up a very bad one. Has anybody had that experience? And the guy that comes in and does a lot of preparation, it never takes him long to actually paint the house. So the guy that comes in and doesn't do preparation is painting the house and then has to, has to do the job again and again and again. And my experience of watching people go out and get funding is... They haven't done enough preparation, so they have to do the job again and again and again and again and again. Whereas if you do the job right in the first place, you do the preparation, you prepare yourself by learning to be a real developer, by actually putting together a real business plan, by making yourself investable. That's the key thing. Are you investable as you sit looking at this screen tonight? Are you investable? And if the answer to that question is, no, I don't feel I'm investable right now, 
then do something to make yourself investable. Um, as much as cynical as I am about um, Sonny's first approach, and as hard a time as I gave him about it, he is doing something to make himself investable right now. He's part of Property Development Live. He's learning to be a real developer. He's putting the work in. He will put the work into the business plan. He will do it, and he will be an investable person at the end of this process. If you're looking at this screen tonight, and if you be honest with yourself and say, am I investable right now? And the answer is no. You're either not going to get funding, or you're going to get very expensive funding. And that is not up to me, not up to any guru. That's up to you. Make yourself investable. Cool. Thank you very much indeed. And indeed, thank you all for asking questions and contributing. Thank you very much indeed, everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.